Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding your best friend and then polishing up just a little bit because, you know, you want to look nice for the evening. I'm sorry, Dave. That type of polish doesn't complement my finish. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to say, I'm sorry, Dave. You can't polish me there. <laughs> Family <laughs> programming, man. Come on. It is indeed. <laughs> we can always edit that out. Uh, Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. And this night we're talking about putting robots in your RPGs, especially in, in the two examples we're especially looking at are Springworthy and Bureau 13. Uh, but any, uh, basically any game you could, uh, that you can put robots into. So uh, I guess the first thing we, we have to say is, what's a robot, Trap? Okay, let's see. Well, where I got this, a robot would basically be a machine with a computer attached to it that can move and has usually articulated limbs. Often it's, it's in a humanoid form. Sometimes we've seen uh, animal forms. Recently, we've seen one that can walk like a dog. Uh, of course, you know, they could either be metallic-looking with metallic skin, or they can be android-like where they're almost human-looking, if not perfectly like a human. So you're saying a robot has to be a physical thing, though, right? It can't just be some kind of a service like Siri? I wouldn't consider that a robot. I, okay. I consider that a, a program or an app. Usually, if when I say robot, there is a physical container that can move around on its own yeah if it's just a a program like siri or you know um trying to the android version i think it's just google but yeah i just consider that an app robot for me has to have physicality okay so you need to basically be able to turn to something and say hey robot go save that dr smith again yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a, and he goes danger danger yeah uh trav <laughs> Rather than Will Robinson. I, I wanted to do the Dr. Smith voice, but all I can do is, oh, the pain. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he either did that or he went really high. You know, very, only when he was talking normally did he actually have his, his, his bass or probably more baritone voice. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, okay, so you're claiming that I, I didn't make that kind of restriction. Uh, that, it, that it couldn't be something. Um, but sometimes, you know, you're, it, it's right because if you take some of these things that are essentially what we would also might consider be AI and embed them into another device, then we might actually consider, you know, you might consider them a robot, you know. But I, I think that, that, that somehow the, 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 the person, whatever it is in, inside of, it has to you. It has to have the ability to um, manipulate itself uh, in such a way, configure itself in such a way that you actually get a sense that it's an independent entity. It's not just an extension service of some greater, you know, hive mind out there somewhere like Siri is. So you're saying that okay, for a robot, it would have to be whatever runs it is in it. So it 
And I'm going to use the term that I found in Arcforge Technology Expand from Legendary Games. It's not an aggregate creature. Yeah. If I was, for example, um, I was on a plane. And I tell the plane, lower the landing gear. And the, and, the, and the landing gear goes down. Now, you know, obviously there's some kind of AI attached to this plane. Yes. But at this point, we basically consider the plane to be a robot, right? Okay, yeah, I could, yeah. If, okay. there, if, yeah. There, is an, I, if there is a computerized intelligence that when you speak to it, it performs duties that it knows... Yeah, it could be the plane could be considered a robot. But but I do accept your idea that it shouldn't just be like you know you call Central Command and Central Command controls the robot from its vast AI in the distance. Yeah, that's more. It a should drone. be something that would be more. It should drone. be well. It should be more. Okay, but I'm just saying it should be able to be independent, be able to perform its duties, its primary duties as an independent entity. Yes. So if, for example, like, you know, I don't know, if, so, if, you, if you were to take, take your robot with you down into the depths of a salt mine, it would still be able to do stuff. It wouldn't just go, I can't communicate and, and you know, just basically just, stand there mm, until you yeah. come back to the elevator and then it wakes up, you know, 15 feet above the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But th that's kind of my point of view. Uh, I like the idea of them being that. And, of course, now, you know, it, it, if you're talking about Bureau 13 and you've got phones that always get bars, well, then, you know, you, it's, it might be a little hard to make that justification since it's always going to be in, in communication with something. Yeah. But Okay, and what is that uh, process again? I, I like the, the I, What is that process again, the always got bars technology quantum what? Oh, quantum entanglement. Entanglement. Okay, I want to be sure. The yeah, Saturday the game, same, they want to know about it. Okay, thank you. It's the same idea that they use for teleportation. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, the, the point is, is is that it allows atoms to have bilocality. Oh, okay. And once, once you have that, then, any, you know, they can be any distance apart. You know, it's that's, that's the idea. So, you know, everything is connected. So, you know. And, of course, uh, so we try to do with our relationships, but we very, very rarely achieve that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, going back to um, our list. Uh, so, of course, again, there's a list. But um, those, some of the examples that um, uh, we're looking at, we, we're, we have to kind of break it into two parts because there's – Essentially, the robotics that we would consider to be available now or in the new, near future, and then of course the far-flung robotics. Okay, and at which point, when you talk about far-flung robotics, you know that's where you get things like artificial life forms that are just, you know, they're non-human entities. They're non-biological entities. They're essentially intelligent robots. They're people. Okay, so that's now the question I want to have is: is that when we do talk about robots? Do robots need to have, should they have a sense of self in that they have their own desires, wants, and needs? Okay, that would be an AI then. That would be an artificial superintelligence if they had the awareness of self. And of course, that would mean they'd have to pass the, the Turing test. Right. Now, I'm not talking about an AI that's not, that can't be aware of the body in which it resides or the world around it. That's different. Okay, that's... You know, you, you uh, 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 I mean, we have robots right now that know, you know, I mean, the 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 uh, the device that's in your car that basically says you're about to back into the car behind me. And, and uh, you know, I, I I'm not allowed to let damage happen to the outer surface of this vehicle that that I'm part of. So therefore, I'm going to stop the wheels. That's 
that doesn't mean that it says, you're about to hit me. No, no. It means that's what its parameters have been built. That's its programming. Those are its directives. Ah, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, as many of you know, sign, and, and this is a good lead-in, when you, when you talked about the car not wanting to hurt itself by you know having it backed into something, many of you out there know of Isaac Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics. Now, he wrote this... 75 years ago. Okay. Yeah, about yeah. 40s. Yeah, the article I have this is from theconversation.com. Now, the three laws of robotics are, they were devised to protect humans from interaction with robots. They are, one, a human may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Two, no, a, robot, a robot may not. Yes. Two, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And the third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. And of course, if you are a fan of Tri-Tech Games, Rich put in there, to Hulk is addendum. A programmer can make a robot do any damn thing he wants it to. Uh, <laughs> I forget which game Rich put that in, but it's there. I remember reading it. Yes, I do remember that as well. Okay. But yeah, so these three, and it's funny because this, I, I just, okay, type it up. I want to find these rules. Oh, it's on this page. And this particular story that I got, as I said, it's from theconversation.com. They're asking, you know, they're, they're postulating because robots were envisioned a lot differently back 75 years ago than they are now, especially what we have out there. And they're, they're postulating that these three laws of robotics might just need some updating. But we might touch upon certain things like that later on in this podcast, but those are the three laws that Isaac Asimov wrote, as I said, 75 years ago. And, of course, a lot of science fiction has been based on these three laws which have become, like, you know, fundamental tenets of, of science fiction, so... Right, and, and a lot of... And there's been a lot of robots that did not follow those three laws. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As, for example, uh, uh, Forbin, Colossus... The Foreman Project, where they, a giant AI was given the ability to uh, protect uh, the United, well, what was basically the Western Bloc in that story against their enemies in the East uh, by deciding if, if there was a, a real threat and then reacting against it automatically without human intervention. So therefore, humans could not be subverted and, th uh, and therefore the protection was was complete and 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 pure. Sounds like it was a great idea on paper. They turned over all the nuclear keys to it, and the first thing it did was it said, "There's another ro There's another robot. There's another other of me over there in the Eastern Bloc. I want to talk to it." <laughs> like going, "What does he want to talk to it for?" Yeah, you know, and and it, it ends up becoming a giant, you know, a, a, a composite of both. But see, this is what we're really talking about here again is AI. Because it wanted to talk to the other. See, a true rob a robot that's below the level of AI wouldn't care that there was another robot. Wouldn't feel the need to share with another robot. So a robot would not necessarily be an AI because that would pretty much then be an android. We're just talking exceptionally well-programmed mechanical beings. Yeah, basically what we would refer to as a, um, uh, an adaptive smart system. One that can give the appearance of of being of having a conversation with you, but what it's really doing is 
taking what you're saying, giving you back appropriate responses, and looking for things that it needs to do based upon what you tell it to do. But it doesn't, it's not really, like I said, the self is, it doesn't, its own self is not involved. It doesn't have a, a, a dog in the race. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's not really having a real conversation with you, much like when you talk to somebody who spends most of their time thinking about their own answers rather than what you're saying to them. Hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially um, it's it's not it's it doesn't have that sense of self. That's what it really comes down to. Uh, that that you know, it doesn't have its it ha- it doesn't have its own agenda that it may have formed on its own. And if it does have a different agenda than what was programmed into it, it means that somebody else programmed a, a, a came in and slipped another agenda in when you weren't looking. Uh, or or be that you d- weren't as good a programmer as you thought you were and is acting on the real programming not what you thought it you know and and they and they throw that into the saying well this robot was devised by another robot and a bunch of robots because you know the level of his programming is so sophisticated that uh, and of course I'm using the he by the way she it doesn't matter uh, <laughs> but I mean put put your pro- whatever pronoun you like in there uh, the uh, but essentially, you know, they're saying we don't know how this ro- this robot got programmed, and therefore, what the robot ends up doing is entirely the the novelist's choice at that point. And sometimes you have it transcending to true AI. Sometimes you have it going um, uh, berserk. Sometimes you have it doing things that seem on the surface to be contrary to the benefit and the well-being of the of the people for which it's supposed to be serving but ultimately in the end it proves to be the uh, uh, to be actually be following its its directives it just had better information than uh, the people around them there's a good story in the bolo series about this where there was this bolo which is a giant robotic tank uh, and it was in the past war and you know served well and for some reason they brought either it was stationed in, on this planet in this one location or they brought it back to this location and it's literally been sitting there for a hundred years being a, a war trophy a uh, you know a, a memorial and at this point the best it can do is on its, its plasma barrel that used to blow holes through mountains is basically light up a flame that you could light a, uh, a cigar off of, which was, of course, something they did at every, you know, annual uh, uh, you know, celebration day. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, one day, it, you know, it just basically rips itself out of the ground it's, it's been slowly sinking into, you know, using what was left of its wheels and treads and starts trundling straight through town, knocking you know, banging into cars, scaring people, you know, being a, you know, being an apparent menace and driving as, and going as quickly as possible through the town and out the other side. And everyone's like, stop it, you know, you know put a barrier up, you know, it's gone crazy. And then when it, it, it manages to get, to get through um, and, and, and get on the other side and it basically finds this alien robot that for some reason was has finally triggered and it's a big war bot and just roll with this massive weight just rolls over it and crushes it because it was one of those things that was designed to be qu- quick moving like a spider and you know with a you know uh, lots of weapons but but lightweight and agile and it just couldn't take that kind of abuse and it basically you know blindsided it and just rolled right over it and crushed it 
at which point they they dra they dragged the thing back and polished it all up and gave it and welded another metal onto its side and and said, "Boy, it's a good thing we had that." But <laughs> they had no idea what it was doing, and they thought it was a menace. They thought that it had, had somehow gained an evil intelligence, or it's just gone crazy on its programming. When in fact, it was actually following its programming as a war robot. Okay, completely. Yeah, you know. And war robots, of course, are going to have a lot more latitude in the area of uh, of endangering civilians yeah. than than your uh, you know your local nanny bot. Yeah, so, collateral uh, damage would happen a lot more. Although, if you're having collateral damage with a nanny bot, that's when you got to look at okay, who hacked my nanny? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and, and 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 a lot of games kind of play fast and loose with this. And and one of the what I think one of the best examples of this is Fallout Four, the okay. video game. Um, this is uh, a game where they explicitly state that robots such as the um, now I'm going to forget what they're called. The ones that look like you know, they they float on a column of flame, and and they've got um, the Mr. Handy, Mr. Handy. Okay. okay. Uh, when the military versions are called Mr. Gutsy. Okay. But anyways, um, they uh, they're they're meant to be household robots. They're meant to like clip the hedges, polish the car, you know, uh, change the diaper on the baby, you know, do stuff, you know, like that. And they say explicitly that these robots are not intelligent. They have no artificial intelligence. You know, and everyone's supposed to go, oh, that's fine, that's fine. But in the opening episode, uh, part of the, of the game, where you come back after being gone for 200 years in cryo storage, spoilers, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, they uh, and you go up and talk to this robot whose name is Codsworth, and he seems perfectly like what he should be. But then, of course, he goes and you, and you have a thing saying, "Codsworth, you seem a little odd." And he goes, he says, "Oh, ma'am, it's just been awful," <laughs> and goes on this litany of how hard it was for it the past two hundred years trying to do its duty in the wake of nuclear holocaust and how. You know, uh, you know how it, it, it is how, how it tried to keep the car polished, even though it had been burned by a nuclear blast. It was rusting away. How do you polish rust? You know, and, and so forth. You know, all this stuff. And uh, and I'm just going, okay, this is not supposed to be an AI. He is feeling so sorry for himself. You know. Yeah, yeah. And finally, at the end, he kind of shakes it off. He says, "But, but you're here now, and and I must resume my duties, and I'm so happy. You know, happy robots, happy. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm like, yeah, right, okay, fine. You know, and and then we have the ro and, and 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 that's the most most obvious version. Then we have the robot vendor, who's a oh, yeah. uh, assaultron. Uh, which are one of the like really dangerous uh, killer robots in the game. They're they're basically humaform, um, and it uses female pronouns. And, oh, and, I thought and, you were meaning Bender from Futurama. Okay. No, no, I'm talking still about Fallout Four. Okay. Okay, and I, I forget the name of the robot again. I'm sorry, but uh, the uh, and you and it's, it's it sells guns and but it uses female programs. And one of the options of your dialogue tree is. Uh, uh, you said her or, or, you know, something that I, she, she says, yes, I'm all woman. Don't I sound like a woman? And of course you're looking at a, a, something that should be, you know, especially at the level in which you're probably running into would kill you in an instant where you stood. 
Oh, yes. I'm sure you are. You better believe it, mister. You know, and... <laughs> Why am I yeah. reminded of the bit with uh, in the first Shrek with Donkey and the Dragon? Oh, because you reek of feminine beauty. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, that's your response, but I'm just saying, hearing right, yeah. coming out of a robot, I mean, uh, you know, uh, an assault trot is really very unexpected. Of course, it's made me think of every assault trot since then as being female. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, the... And, and and we're not even talking about the synths, the ones that re- really, tr- you know, truly could be considered. And so the big question in Fallout 4 is, are synthetics, are they actually people or are they just toasters? Well-programmed toasters with ah. lots of, you know, of lots of really good, res- well-programmed responses. So they seem like they can even impersonate people, but they really aren't. You know, that's one of the big questions that's in this part of the game is for you to 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 make those decisions as to how you're going to respond when you're in the presence of a scent. Do you just treat it like a toaster or do you treat it like it's a real person? Okay. Uh, so anyways, well, well, I think that we're in agreement here that that once a robot becomes that self-aware and and then it's really no longer a robot, even though it may have a robotic form. It's really an artificial person. Yeah. So and we're saying that robots, the way we're going to deal with it on this episode of the podcast, is not like that. All right. Is that is? Are we in agreement? Oh yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm sure. I hope somebody out there in our audience is going to get on our our, our Facebook uh, groups, uh, fans of the Gaming on the Frontier podcast, and and and. Tell us off for how we're so wrong, because that would be fun. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Yep, okay. we love it. Yep. Okay, so all right, but again, that's in the realms that when we're really talking about far future, we're nowhere near that unless you know really they got robots doing that programming I was just talking about that are just doing something that we don't know right now. You know, we're watching we're watching uh, Boston Dynamics, and every time someone goes over and kicks that dog robot. To, to, to prove how well it can respond whenever it's put into an unstable thing. We're like, oh my gosh, that's how you get the robot uprising. <laughs> I see that and I just shake my, I'm, I'm watching it where I go, we welcome our, our new robot overlords. Yeah. They even had to, put, they even had to put a disclaimer on it saying is that none of these robots are being harmed. They really don't mind. <laughs> and we're all sitting there watching, shaking our heads. No, what, what, what's the thing that you would say? No robots were harmed in the filming of this video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly. It's just, you know, and I, I mean, I'm just. Well, you know, they and got the one that. I also and saw. They've done it in a few movies where somebody's done it, and finally the robot gets tired of it and goes over and cracks someone, and it's like, and you're and you're just like thinking for a second, wait a second, was that a program response or did that thing just? make its own decision on that. Yeah. Well, so. no, it's like the one I see of, it. it's basically a robot, looks sort of human, human form, carrying an assault rifle, and they're making this in Russia. I'm like, oh, goody. Yeah, I saw that on, on a Facebook video, and I'm just like, that's enough internet for tonight. I went to bed. Just, <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. But I, I think we're talking, again, we're, we're, we were talking primarily about Bureau 13 and uh, Fringeworthy. Yeah. And they, both of those can have some really super high-tech items in Oh, yeah. yeah. I think most of the time we're trying to talk about the kind of technology we can envision in the relatively near future using, yeah. you know, the best, uh, you know, the best possible uh, uh, resources. So what we have right now in the area of robotics are things like self-parking cars. 
where it literally will park itself. Or, as I mentioned earlier, automatic avoidance uh, steering and braking, where you know you it, it'll actually uh, you know some things can actually avoid another vehicle that's going straight at it. Uh, we're not quite uh, at the point where they're completely self-driving, but we're almost there. They're getting so there, yeah. We're and almost there. Yeah. All right. So also, um, the uh, we already have autopilots on planes and boats that will that that under uh, in, in the commercial versions uh, will basically except for the taking off and landing, they do everything. This is also why we had a plane that was supposed to be going to Germany ended up in Scotland. If somebody typed in the wrong uh, wow. the wrong airport code and and the uh, the autopilot basically you know the plane flew itself to the right airport. Just the wrong destination. Well, it's that old saying, and you work with computers, you know this. Giggle, garbage in, garbage out. Right. A computer is only as good as the person who puts in the information, the data. Yeah, and 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 the person watching it too, apparently, because yeah. you had a pilot and a co-pilot that didn't notice. Well, they took it for granted. Point, yeah, they kind of took it for granted. They still, you would have thought that when they didn't cross, okay, the you know the straits between. Fran, uh, Germany and France and and, and England, they might have they might have been clued in, but you know because Scotland, you know, is not is overland entirely. So why did they never notice? It must have been a really cloudy day, is yeah. all I can say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems unlikely, but it happened. So you know, there we are. Uh, so, uh, anyways, that uh, oh also like security doors in buildings. I mean, there are, you know, they, op they, they open automatically for you. They can determine based upon whether you have the right coding, facial recognition, things like that, whether a door is going to open or shut, whether if there's, if there's a, a, some kind of a danger situation like uh, uh, the CDC and there's a, a breach, yeah. uh, it, it'll automatically shut down doors and airways and things like that and even seal them off permanently. Uh, just just to be safe, uh, you know there uh, things like the um, air conditioning system will automatically uh, shutter the windows on one side of the building to keep the early morning sun and the or let the early morning sun in to heat it or keep the the late the afternoon sun out so it, it doesn't tax the uh, the system. Oh God! Okay. Um, end game okay. when 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 Iron Man the barn door initiative where. In order to protect, you know, the building in case something happened with the gauntlet. It came out about six months ago, folks. Spoiler alert, not likely. And he said barn door initiative, and it's like these massive, thick metal shutters came down over all the outside windows. All these massive doors came down and locked them in the lab. So, yeah, something like that. Well, after what happened in uh, Iron Man 2... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Come on and get me. All right. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, he thought he and, was a coward, and he found out wrong, yeah. And, yeah, and Pepper still married him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Had okay. a kid with him, too, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so we have that kind of stuff going on, okay? You know, the, you know I mean, uh, where essentially uh, uh, a building can, can almost be considered to be a, breathe, uh, a breathing entity. Okay, because all these regulatory systems are all completely handled by robotic systems within it, and outside of some general directives, you know, uh, 
they can operate completely independently. You say, I, I want the temperature of this building to be, you know, this temperature during this time and, th and this temperature during other times. And, but I don't need, but you can basically let the temperature do whatever it wants to within certain ranges. Well, I mean, if we want to, uh, if we want to talk about that, it's just the concept of what is it, a smart house. Right. But a smart house essentially is a robot if it has the ability to manipulate itself. Well, I mean, usually smart houses do things like temperature, alarms, lights. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, yeah. but I'm just saying is it, it, uh, it usually goes a little further than, you know, I mean, it's not just like, you know, turn the air conditioning on and off and just a little heat thing, you know. But, I mean, to any degree of robotics, that's what it is. It's, you know, robotics originally was defined as a mechanical device that does the work of a man. So every time that they have, you know, uh, mechanized anything in any factory, in any Well, place, yeah, I was going to I was gonna say factories. My dad retired after 40 years at GM. He right. watched the robotics industry, you know, come into the auto industry. My dad right. retired in 06. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, he watched as it blossomed and formed and the various Detroit area plants where he was at, he watched all these robotic arms with the welding torches right. and, you know, he watched all that come into play. I mean, now right. if you go to the uh, uh, factory in the big three, it's standard operating procedure. Right. And there's some places where there's very few people. I mean, few people are basically in supervisory positions only. Yeah. Basically, if something goes wrong, they're calling, you know, whatever emergency or whatever, something breaks down, they either fix it or they call in the guy who does. Right. But all the actual work is done by, you know, some mechanical device. An elevator is a robot. Yeah, technically. Yeah. It opens and closes itself. It moves within its allotted space. It responds to stimuli. Seems yeah, let's say if there's fire or a cable snaps, the brakes kicked in or whatever. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't have arms and legs, you know, or it, and some of them do have glowing red eyes. <laughs> well, yeah, but also you have the, uh, as I said, if they feel that cable snap, you know, they technically have the things that lock the car in place, you know, like clamps or whatever I think they are. So, yeah, I mean sort of arms they just grab onto the sides of the shaft you know so yeah they sort of i never really thought breaking it down as an elevator being a robot wow okay right well okay i'm just saying so we're basically surrounded by robots all the time uh now okay so when we uh so we have to ask ourselves when we're playing our games all right what do we want our robots to do okay that would make the game more fun than it already is okay so uh, some people, they want their cars, for example, to be robots. So they're basically like Kit yeah. from Knight Rider, yeah. where it, it talks to you. It basically um, drives itself. Uh, it drives itself. It, it performs, you know, all kinds of safety type measures. Um, Weapons you know, necessary. Uh, well, heck, then that means the Colorado from Bureau 13 would be considered this. Because it can drive itself, it can manipulate the weapons, it can manipulate the sensors. Right um, in the uh, yeah in the in, in the D20 version, yes, I think it transcended into that that state. Yeah. Before then, it was just had lots of cool gear on it. Yeah. But it still required a human operator to do anything that was important. Oh no, no, no! In in the OGL Bureau 13, because I'm running that in a Saturday game, and Team Candlestick 2.0 has a Colorado. Oh no. 
I with what I because I had to look it up recently, and I'm just like, oh no, this is its own being by this time. I might as well start role playing this thing with a personality and just let Jeff Pixie, Colleen Z, and Fur have at it. <laughs> well, that's that's your choice, but you yeah, just, just, have just, to. just yeah, you not, can still not. just respond to you know vocal commands and. And and just basically be a robot and do what it's told. Yeah, but I mean, it it can it drive itself. It can yes. operate the weapons. Yeah, it would yeah. qualify as what you and I have defined and agreed upon as a robot. So yeah. So for example, is is that if you were in a situation where the vehicle was being assaulted by, let's say, dragon fire. Okay. Let's say you run into a dragon. You're on a bridge, and a dragon goes and either lands on the on the bridge or flies over the bridge. And it's just burning the snot out of the vehicle and the vehicle based on its parameters realizes that it's going to be destroyed or disabled soon and so it without any instruction it may and possibly in contrary instruction to what the the driver in the seat is doing it suddenly throws itself into reverse backs in a uh, a bootlegger backwards right off the edge of the bridge down into the water where the water was now going to protect it yeah. and its passengers and it's under it, it, it continues to move underwater for some distance where oh, yeah. it try, try to come up safely well okay so I, I would say once it lands it would probably re, uh, relinquish control but that whole backwards slanting going over and crashing down in the water might be entirely something that was done by its own programming oh yeah and it basically took it took agency away from the players at that point. Do we want that to happen? Mm. Well, that would be along the lines of, okay, do I really want these players, you know, to be roasted inside a giant, essentially, tin can with wheels? Or do I want to give them a chance to have agency later? Take a little bit of agency away now to let them take out this dragon later because they, they this AI-ran RV does this. So, yeah, see, it's kind of a, you know... Well, if you wanted a choice, the GM could say, uh, he says, this vehicle is suffering uh, major damage. Uh, should I protect myself or, um, or, or become disabled? And they might say, no, it's okay for you to become disabled as long as I keep firing these missiles at that, that dragon. Yeah. Yeah. They could they could do that. That's their cho- their call. But if you say no, no, you know, protect yourself. Possibly thinking that it's going to take over the firing of the missiles itself, but they're wrong. Instead, it backs off and goes off the edge of the bridge and down into the water. Well, because then I I mean, you just have the three rules, and it's like, okay, basically, it's protecting itself and it's protecting the humans. Yeah. So yeah, but, it's following at least two of the three rules that I can recall right now. So uh, let me bring uh, that back up. Right. Uh, well, I mean, just because it becomes disabled doesn't mean that it becomes incapable. It, it's the humans inside are going to die. I mean, you know, it just might lose the ability to move, and therefore, you know, that's what I'm saying. It would become disabled, but the the outer shell of it would still be strong. Yeah. To, yeah. But see, here's okay. Third rule: robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first and second laws. <laughs> If that RV yeah. backs it up and, you know, goes over the edge and lands in the water, well, the water's going to put out the fire. It's going to hide him from the dragon. So right there, it followed the third rule. Plus, it, through inaction, it didn't allow a human being to come to harm. Of course, uh, there might be a couple human beings that got some serious harm as they fell into the water. Well, from the I mean, it, 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 see, through inaction, if it were to sit there and allow the humans to get burned... Right. See, this is where you run into that whole AI question is, is that, you know, is it does a robot have the ability to choose degrees of harm? Say, okay, well, if I do this, 
if I if I do this, then they might get they'll get some harm, but they'll live. But if I don't do this, then they might die. And which how how do you weigh that out? There you there know? was um, and I remember this in an old TNMT comic strip, and this is when it was still in black and white. The original Eastman and Laird. What was it? Check rather than hurt, hurt rather than maim, maim rather than kill. So you always choose the lesser form of harm. Obviously, no harm would be best, but if you're going to do it, you know, like maybe disable a hand as opposed to, you know, beating the crap out of as opposed to killing. Try to do as least amount of harm as possible. So, okay. well, I mean, I'm I was saying, is it, it, I can imagine that might be, that might be difficult. I guess uh, maybe they have Maybe they have program actu- uh, insurance actuarial tables so it can come up with the probabilities. Well, yeah. I mean, you would have <laughs> things like risk-benefit analysis, yeah. But it would sort of be like, obviously, that Bureau Colorado AI has a metric butt-ton of tactical files. Because if, it, if okay, driving and, you know combat because it's got all these weapons and if you if, if folks if you you have bureau 13 ogl and you look at all the weapons that you can put on this thing it's hidden like in the air conditioner on top and the blower and things that pop out the side the colorado is extremely well armed team candlestick 2.0's first mission they were okay they first mission so they were scared they're like oh crap this is and it was low i mean they just were new agents they fired everything and, and took it out. But yeah, I'm looking at the, I'm reading the, the list of weapons that this thing has. And they're like, holy crap. <laughs> I said, yeah, they don't mess around with these things. Yeah. But no, I mean, the AI in the Colorado probably has massive amounts of just tactical files. I mean, let, because you know, it's got, you know, it's going to have everything that the Pentagon has dumped into it, plus other, you know, stuff from the farm and all that. So yeah, their tactical knowledge is incredible. They would dump it all in the Colorado to help protect the team. So at least I would think so. I mean, that just from what I've been reading. Ugh. Okay. So uh, that's why I'm raising the question. I was thinking how much you know, control, are you willing to have your robots, give your robots in the situation it's in and possibly over the uh, lives of the uh, of the other people uh, in the player party, whether they be agents or they be explorers, you know, when, when uh, where do you draw the line and you need to make this decision, okay, when if you're going to use robots because once you give them the ability to take action uh, based upon programming and not as a direct result of immediate um, orders by by a human or whatever aliens might be in your party, uh, then you've got you've got to basically you know throw these direct uh, think about how would a robot think? You know, it wouldn't think like a human, and it might not even perceive like a human because yeah. you know it might not. It might, sometimes we think of robots as having so, you know much superior uh, senses than we do. But a lot of times they have inferior senses, and sometimes they have completely different senses, and so they would might be reacting differently, you know, because uh, you know it's just whatever you put on your robot, and depending upon where the sensors are, because if you have like it's like you know dogs have these incredible sense of smell and hearing and things like that, but a robot dog might only have you know infrared, you know, might yeah. have the ability to hear, but you know can it you know uh, but does it have the um, discrimination of a dog? Yeah. You know, yeah. We found out that um, uh, that uh, cats have an enormously enlarged section of their brain that has to do with uh, with 
forget was it was it perception or balance uh, and so that made a lot of difference and that and and it was at the cost of their of their prefrontals which is one of the reasons why cats are stupid in comparison to dogs but uh, but again we're talking about in that case the hardware innerland where they were as intelligent as people yeah. anyways so that kind of threw that all for a loop but still that as a matter of fact that would mean that they actually had a, that they were better than humans because they were they were as smart as humans, and they had these uh, these hyped up senses. But what they didn't have was a human being's ability to uh, stay on target. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They we talk about dogs and squirrels, but you know, cats and you know, a, a man a man with a uh, a laser pointer rules the cat world. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but back to back to robots. Okay, so. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, so again, well, you know, we, we, we talked about them being like cars. Okay. So what else do we want them to do for us? That that you know, uh, when we bring them when we bring them into the game, obviously we're doing it for a reason. Uh, it might just you know, and I and I'm not including any robot that's a player character. We're not talking about that. That's that that's uh, that doesn't you know, that never they, they always go beyond their programming yeah, of the player yeah. characters okay so we're talking about you know basically NPCs that are robots that are brought into the game so what do we want them to do besides you know uh, take you know drive drive our vehicles um, and um, uh, and and you know well basically that's all we've talked about really so far uh, uh, we we want uh, and and maybe. Um, target enemies that we specifically target or do we want them to be able to target enemies that just follow their directives that follow their programming well there you is know, that, the concept well i mean there's the concept of the iff transponder which basically means identify friend and foe so right. a robot with one of those will know okay don't shoot these things on the battlefield because they're on our side the ones that aren't on our side the what okay determine if don't they have the transponder yeah, determine yeah, if they are that? civilians or enemies. Yeah, because let's how do you say, do that? Yeah, well, then, then you could have programming like, okay, do they have a weapon? If anything, okay. that looks like any type of firearm or melee weapon. So Fireman Jones with his pitchfork is toast. Well, yeah, hey. <laughs> and, well, first of all, you're in a battle like that. You're in it. You got. You're in that area. You got something to lose anyways. It's, <laughs> hey, look, a lot of battlefields took place on people's farms. What was that? A lot of battlefields took place on people's farms. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also didn't have robots back then either, so, yeah. Uh, well, again, we're t if you talk about French where they were always going That's to places true. that are yeah, in yeah, the past. Yeah. So, you know, in, during the Revolutionary War, you might have said anybody who's wearing a red uniform. Yeah, yeah. If you're on the <laughs> side, of course, of the, of the, of the colonists, I mean, we would assume that, right? Yeah. Well, it depends if you got a, a load of uh, if it's like a British-led team, you never know. Yeah, if they're from uh, if they're from the Edwardian, you know uh, what what we used to call the uh, the Victorian. What, yeah, what we call the Victorian in the uh, early game, we call the Edwardians in the late game. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny. I can see it now. Let's say it's a mixed United Tas team, right? And they get no argument. Okay, we're here in the Revolutionary War. Who are we going to back? And you look at the Taos leader and the United leader just goes, really? <laughs> you didn't learn your damn lesson the first time. <laughs> We're not trying to cheese off any of our British listeners here. It's just, it, 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 it's, it's a cute thought experiment. Anyway. Hey, if, if, they, if they'd had, you know, they basically gave up because it was, they needed those resources elsewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, were, they were warming up. They, they were fighting the, 
the the Spanish. They were warming up to to a fight with Napoleon, uh, you know, in France. Uh, they well, they were did, the, well, remember the British Empire back then was the biggest boy in the block. Granted, King George was a crackpot, but, right? But yeah, but they still it still ran on money. Okay, yeah, and but they resource. were spreading themselves too thin because remember, yeah, the old phrase: the sun never set on the British Empire. Right. So they were everywhere. They were like a bad rash, and so just every time they came up against somebody, somebody's like, "No, we don't like you with your powdered wigs and your tea. Get out of here." You know. Yeah, but you know, let's you know here you have a you know uh, well I mean they were mostly fighting in the in the in the New England area. Yeah. But I'm just saying, but still, that's a big coast. Okay. Oh yeah. And. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm just saying, that the, I mean, the reason they gave they gave up was primarily because it was costing them too much. Well, yeah, you had supply lines to keep up across the Atlantic. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, you know, the cost benefit was not in their favor. So, you know, and and you know, and they still had the the, the Canadians, and the Canadians are still loyal. So, you know, they did they they basically got rid of uh, what is the term? Is it you know, good riddance to to bad trash? Yeah, yeah good riddance to bad rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Is, so us Americans, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, not but, trying to uh, cheese off our British listeners here. Just that's right. History, no, yeah. no. I'm just. I'm not trying to cheese off our American listeners either. I'm just saying, though, is that you're right from their point of view. Uh, but uh, still, the, the question comes down to is, is that you know, in the case of where you have a clearly identifiable enemy, like they're wearing uniforms, you know, uh, uh, and that could be clearly identified as combatants, then robots. Could probably be could be given a lot looser leash yeah. than than they could otherwise. But um, I, I think it's probably I would feel as a player I would feel a lot better if if the robots had you know had to announce their target and me give them a confirmation you know yeah. whether it was like on a screen that I could look at and I could say uh, you know proved or something like that or yeah you know. That group, it, so it would be a robotic assistant. It would it would see something, transmit it back to you. You'd say friend or foe. If it was foe, it was toast. Yeah. Well, it could be fighting right with me, you know, and and it's you know, and and I it can take on the people that I, I mean, there might be too many people for me to win, but with the robot fighting, then maybe I could win. And of course, robots are great because you know they they're not human beings. They don't they don't take damage the way humans. They're more durable. Go. Yeah. Well, and there, there's a couple. There was a movie. I'm trying to remember which movie it was. But what would happen is they were they're going in there, and all of a sudden they get into a firefight. And the first thing that the humans do is they wheel around and get behind the robots. And the robots keep firing at the combatants, and they're behind giving tactical advice to the robots. And the robots are basically now a shield for them. Well, it was kind of like if you saw the Lost in Space movie with William Hurt and Matt LeBlanc, uh -huh. where Will was running the robot. And right. so Will was there moving the robot along, and just the robot, of course, has got its guns on it and everything, and just going to town. And obviously, after a while, the robot got taken out, and Will's just sitting there, and he had that sad look on his face, because that was his friend. Right. Um Oh, there was something else about robots. It'll probably come back to me. It was just there, and then the Lost in Space anecdote went off. But so, yeah, is is there so? Okay, so like I said, so what we're we're talking about now is is that we've got you know be be my vehicle, basically you know, take uh, take me where I want to go. Yeah, we've got be my weapon. Uh, we've got be my shield. Uh, is uh, is there something that a robot can do that we cannot do? Well, I mean, they could. 
do like deep space mining, undersea work, underground work. Like let's say, you know, you won't need the canary in the coal mine because the robot doesn't need to breathe. Okay. Okay, for those of you out there may not and I and you and I, we're both over fifty. It's bad when we use a reference and it's just like you know you gotta explain it. Back in the days of coal mining, and it's funny because my great grandfather ran a company store in a coal mining town in south south central Pennsylvania. They used to take because there's gases that build up underground. And a lot of times those gases would concentrate enough to where they had people dying left, right, and center, and they're pulling up elevators full of corpses. So what they did was they'd put a canary in the cage and bring it down there with them. And if that canary died, it was time to get the heck out of Dodge because gas was starting to build up for various and, chemicals. And canary, canaries were less able to resist the gases than humans were. Well, yeah, they had smaller lungs, too, so a lesser concentration would take them out. But that's when the miners know, hey, look, we're going to go up topside and have a very long break, you know. So yeah, or, if you ever heard? Yeah, let's find out why the ventilation's not working. Right, like it yeah, be because they often had massive fans and stuff moving, pumping fresh air in from above ground. They dig in another shaft, sort of diagonal, to blow this air in, and the yeah. canary was still down there. And if it dropped, it's like, okay, we need to check this. But if you've ever heard the term "a canary in a coal mine," I believe it's a lyric in an old police song. That's where it came from. Okay. So yeah, robot so, robots could do all that because they don't need to breathe. Right. So like robots, you know, could go to the bottom of the ocean where the pressure is, you know, crushing. Oh yeah. And you know, and they they wouldn't suffer that, be, you know, uh, because they don't have, you know, they don't have air spaces in them like yeah, lungs they don't, they don't like got, we do. They don't got them fragile innards in them that can, you know, get right. smashed. Well, but not only that, but they they also like we go down far enough. Things that are normally you know completely innocuous to us, like nitrogen, becomes a concentrated poison in our bloodstream. It builds but, up, and you get nitrogen narcosis, aka right. the bends. And we don't have that. I mean, robots don't have that. So yeah. of course they they're fine. The things that they do suffer from is the fact is that they don't have uh, as good of internal homeostasis. Uh, ability to control temperature, and so if you get too down too low, a lot of times the batteries on robots go out because it gets too cold for the batteries to properly yeah work. Yeah, you know, So yeah. that's that's one of the big uh, that's one of the big problems with underwater drones is yeah. the fact is that the ones that are not tethered have you know uh, have a very have much more limited range because of these factors than ones that are. The problem with the ones that are tethered is that after a while, it's so there's, there's so, so much, much drag on pulling the tether along yeah, that the that robot just, really can't go anywhere. Yeah, and folks, let me tell you, as somebody who is both a lifetime resident of Michigan and has been through 49 winters here, and in the automotive aftermarket, trust me, when it gets cold enough, your batteries don't run. <laughs> Oh yes, I, I've pulled batteries during the winter and that is the, the, the high time. So we're recording this late October. So yeah, battery sales are going to go up soon because they don't like running in the cold. And here's the thing. I always thought that cold made electricity run better. You'd yeah, think, right? Yeah, right. Well, no, I heard that. And it's like all of a sudden, like something about super um, conductivity or something like that. But all of a right. sudden I'm like, well, why are we selling so many blasted batteries? And just, I'm like, okay, something's because that's ultimately not right. batteries, the the ones that are in your cars are chemical reactors. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And so you the, the 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 warmer the temperature, the the faster and better the reactions take place. And there's a limit. You get to a certain temperature, and that you know whatever liquid media is in them 
freezes up and you stop having that working. That's why some people use a, a hybrid. They use a, a regular battery, but they also use some of those supercapacitors, uh, which are not as susceptible to that, or they have to get a lot colder before they're susceptible. And they'll use that to start their car on a really cold day, and they get recharged from the battery once the battery warms up. Okay. The problem with capacitors is they don't hold the charge. So if you take a car and you put it over in a parking lot and you leave it for a week and you come back, it's not going to start off of those capacitors because they've run down. Yeah. But your battery's perfectly fine. So that's why I said that a lot of people, they go with the idea of a hybrid where they have a small battery, just enough to charge up the capacitors one time, um, and it just sits there until it's needed. And then you have the capacitors, basically, they just, you know, they just stay on trickle charge, and then when it comes time, they just throw all that power that's in those capacitors into your engine, starts your car right up. And this so. is bad. I work at an automotive warehouse, and he explained it better than I ever could. Just because Darn. I work in an auto warehouse doesn't mean I'm a car guy, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, YouTube is, is very illuminating on yeah, the super yeah, capacitor yeah. thing. Yeah, so, and I keep looking at it going, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I should do that, you know, because... I've replaced a lot of batteries in my life. Oh yeah, same here. Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed, and I've been in situations where you're, you know, you go out there and you know you've got a big battery in your car, and you still turn and it goes, yep. and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, he says, do I keep doing this or do I get out the can of? Uh, and here, here's a blast from the past too. I get out the can of ether because that don't work in these modern fuel injected cars. That's a good way to blow up your car. <laughs> Okay, this is one on me. Please elaborate. Oh, you've never heard of this? Yeah, starting fluids, made, mostly made out of ether. Oh, it's basically okay. sprayed into your carburetor, and it mixes the, the air coming in and creates a super, you know, really, it's ether burned very easily. Yeah. So basically, your fuel won't vaporize in the cold very well. Oh, wait a so minute. Hold it. Oh, wait. No, again, I told y'all I pull chemicals and paint, so I'm... I might have to actually see if we still have that because there are still cars out there with carburetors. Oh yeah, you, I'm sure you do. You just I'm sure if I s- look at you know like carburetor injectors sprayed in there while I'm pulling orders tomorrow Thursday yeah. morning, I mean I can probably look and say, wait a minute, is that ether in it? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah look, oh, look for crap. starter fluid. Yeah, yeah right. Well, fluid. oh yeah. God, I've got cases of starter fluid. I'm tripping over them. Anyways, anyways. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.